I am Deborah Abisola, and this is the podcast for the underdogs. My guests and I share our corporate journey as working class professionals, and along the way, we have some fun. Let's get into it, and welcome to Deborah's Corporate Heart Talk. Welcome back to another episode of Corporate Hard Talk. How are you all doing? I'm doing great today. Like the sun is shining in London. Like the universe is saying to us, you have suffered enough. Take some sun. And I'm just so happy like that today I've been listening to some music, like just playing music while I was working and just having a great time because I don't know, you just, the sun makes me happy. It just makes me think of summer. I was saying to my, my, my friends that like, this is like the summer post pandemic. So I just feel like it's going to be an epic one. And all my friends, if you're listening to this, any event, just call me. I'll be there. I'll be the first one there. <laughs> so just call me. I'll be there. I must say, um, thank you to um, my handful listeners listening to this season of Corporate Heart Talk, the all women season. Like this season is really helping me personally because some of the women or some of the issues that we're talking about, is, these are issues, and I said this last week in my other episode, that these are issues that I've internalized, that I thought it was just me going through them, you know, as black women and and you know some of the challenges that we face and and so on so i'm really learning from this um from this season the all women um season so yeah it's, it's going really really well on today's episode guys uh, i have another black woman like actually my guest today this is my second guest originally from jamaica as well but they live in the uk but i'm just so excited to have them on here on this episode of Corporate Heart Talk, please welcome my network, Diane Lynn Cook. Thank you so much for having me today on the podcast. It is a pleasure to be here. You're welcome. You're welcome. Did I say your name correctly? Because I feel like I butcher people's surname. <laughs> no, it's all good. Diana Lynn Cook. Diana yeah. Lynn Cook. Okay. Welcome. Welcome on Corporate Heart Talk. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay. So on here, you know, we love to talk about people's professional journey. You know how they started what they do so please can you just introduce yourself again and just let us know what you do for work so i am essentially i'm a podcaster as well um i have a podcast called the history hotline also uh well what pays the bills is my role as an oral history and project officer um, at the museum of methodism and in that role i have researched conducted oral history interviews in order to curate an exhibition for the methodist church about black and asian leadership within methodism um so basically trying to change the narrative of british methodism which kind of focuses on upper class white men um as ministers and leaders within the church Um, well actually there have been significant numbers of leaders that don't fit that description and so that project was all about showcasing their stories to come to the exhibition and listen okay that's interesting and you know what i'm actually a well i am actually a methodist (laughs) yeah i go i go to a methodist church here in luton and um interestingly what you're saying i can relate to because i went there just randomly and it is full of a lot of white people 
and I came in, you know, this black woman and I wanted to do things a certain way and I did get a lot of pushbacks and I still get a lot of pushbacks. So we can talk about that another day, but yeah, I know about the Methodist and, um, but it's, it's a very, um, I think it's a rich establishment um, and it's a very community led establishment. Religion kind of was born out of social justice and how yeah. marginalised in society and poorer than you and it's, it is a, I like the kind of, not the ethos, but the, like the reasons for it and the things that they stand for. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, they, they were quite adamantly against um, slavery and the slave trade. So that does um, help. Yeah. You know, <laughs> be following yeah. religion. Yeah we have a breakfast club that we do i actually i i was one of the people that started it where we are giving free breakfast to communities in 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 luton and the methodists they they support that they they've been supporting that for almost three years so um how has the how has the pandemic been for you you know um i think for me anyway march is a very significant month when you talk about covid19 so i remember in 2020 march was when um march was when everything really hit the fan but um well how has it been like for you with work and your line of work how has it been i think i started so the pandemic was on and i was doing my masters okay um, in march i was about i was in i started the september of 2019 so when we got to march i was kind of getting through my final modules and my dissertation research was starting and i was excited to get into the archives and interview people and then everything shut down and i was like oh no mm. what am i gonna do? um thankfully the university I, I was at was i think they were really really supportive in the work that kind of needed to be done to support a dissertation like mine yeah. that was Caribbean history from the comfort of my own home in Birmingham um, and I was able to kind of use digital archives um, and access some of the archives I needed online um, a lot of the archivists would send me interviews transcripts I'm so grateful the Black Cultural Archives in Brixton to this day I'll be forever grateful for saving my dissertation um, oh, cool. yeah, the pandemic was it was hard but I think in ways it was a not a blessing i don't think that's the right word but doing a master's and you know having to do dissertation research when there's actually no distractions yeah was a lot easier than it would have been with a hot summer everyone wanting to go out and turn up and i you know i had to be at home writing yeah. so i benefited me in some ways um i had a really nice home environment um my brother was studying as well doing his undergrad so my mom kind of supported us through that and just fed us really throughout a lockdown we wrote our like final projects that's good what university was this i was at university of birmingham so oh, that's a really good university yeah it was it was a nice nice-ish experience in the end and you know they were they were very nice with extensions and and you know supporting you anyway my supervisor yeah. dr Kureshi, i have to say her name every time just wow. the woman when it came to that project wow, wow. save my bacon Wow. it's quite interesting that you said that. i remember when i did my masters as well um i did mine at leeds university and i came back to london and that was the time when they had this looting going on in london and i wanted to go to the university i couldn't go everything was shut down so it's just really weird where you're doing something really important in your life and something will just happen but i like i always believe that behind every evil something good happens you know um, so yeah, I'm glad that you was able to come through with that. And um, what was your dissertation about? So I looked at the experiences of Caribbean women 
migrating to Britain and I split it up into three sections. So their migration during World War II um, as they were service women in the war. Um, not many people know that Caribbean women actually fought in World War II, not fought as in on the front lines and women weren't allowed to be on the front lines, but they were part of the war effort in the auxiliary territorial service. Mm. So I looked at their role in that. And then I looked at how that in some ways enabled them to then migrate in that Windrush era after the war. Um, and I looked at two professions, teaching um, and healthcare. And I looked at the work that they would have done, their experiences, the struggles, the challenges um, in both of those fields after the war. And it touched on things like motherhood and it looked specifically at working class women and what they would have encountered um, and their experiences um, throughout that kind of time period. But it was just nice to not necessarily focus on the, the big historical names, yeah. not that yeah. black women anyway, but yeah, looking at day. just black women yeah every day yeah absolutely yeah Yeah, every day and i think you know even when you like in the past when you when you know your dissertation you always feel that what could what could you do more of you know what 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 further research could you do and i think i've i've seen things online sometimes where a lot of um caribbean or even africans they go back home they go back home for their rest and for me i just think this society must have really taken it out of you because some of these people, when you meet them, so it could, a really good further research could actually be going back home and speaking to these women and really hearing from their mouth, how were you treated? What happened? And, 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 and what is your end, you know? Yeah, well, a lot of the people that I ended up interviewing had actually returned to Jamaica. Oh, um, cool. So obviously with the pandemic, I wasn't able to go, but it was WhatsApp, phone calls um, and Zoom that I interviewed. Um, A lot of my family returned back to Jamaica and retired back there. So, yeah, I know that that migration pattern. And it's an interesting one thinking about the return migration. Yeah. And the challenges that then you encounter going back because you're now racialized and thought of as British. British, yeah. But but then you spend all your life being an outcast. Where yeah. even I go through that as an Nigerian. Like when we go back home, I don't I don't know if you go through this in Jamaica. They're like, oh, you're you're. Um, I don't want to use the word, but they they try to make it feel like you're not like black, you're not African like them. And and I think a lot of us who grew up in Britain as well, we now do the accent and by force we want to eat um, jollof rice and jerk chicken and ev- anything like even me, my personal life. I found myself I wanted to marry an African man like when I was young you couldn't tell me nothing i must marry somebody from nigeria that will teach me about nigeria and we can do nigerian community <laughs> culture things so yeah definitely it's, it's 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 a big issue um really okay so just talking about your dissertation and it's clear to say you know what you do for work so just share with us more details what you do for work you're you're an historian really is it is it okay to call you an historian because it just feels like when you call me an historian you just Im, Im, like listen i keep it real on here you just imagine some old white man <laughs> so i thought um, i like to call myself my, my instagram bio says historian ish historian is like blackish <laughs> one day i have a phd and i am Dr. Deanna Lynn Cook. Um, But I just feel like it's the final piece, like the final, you know, big bit of research, that three years of dedicated study to a specific topic, that is where you get to be a historian. Um, Not to take it away from anyone else that has already, um, you know, calls himself a historian without a PhD or whatever. Um, But for me, I think once I have that uh, final degree, um, I'll be a full historian. I guess by practice, I, you know, write histories, I research 
histories. Um, so yeah, in practice, I am doing the work of a historian um, in my role. My work, because I work in a museum, it's kind of kind of a forward slash curating role. And then my actual job title is oral history and project officer. Um, and this means that for this project specifically and for the exhibition that I curated, um, it was an oral history project. Um, I interviewed the people that would be exhibited and actually, you know, sat down with them and listened to their stories. And it's such a beautiful process being able to conduct oral histories and actually sit down with people face to face. You know, some of them were in their homes. Some of them were at my place of work in the church that I work at. And it was so nice to kind of just sit face to face with people, especially after the pandemic and that yeah. kind of absence of connection sitting down with people and them pouring out some of the things that they'd been through with it had been being rejected from the church when they first arrived in England because they said oh you know black people go to the Pentecostal church down the road Um, you know whether that was a story or people were speaking about some of the traumas and the tribulations they'd had in the workplace Um, it wasn't just ministers that were part of this exhibition there were academics geographers um, lay workers, telecommunications workers, like, you know, the range was there, but they were all Methodist. Um, so that exhibition, um, it wrapped up in January of this year. And now we're working on a legacy of the project, um, creating a catalog, um, and kind of documenting their stories in written form so that, you know, they will live on and not just die out after that exhibition is finished. Um, so that's my day-to-day nine to five working life. Okay. That's, that's that's quite interesting um like i just close my eyes and just think about when i was younger because this sounds really fun what you're doing actually and when you're in the classroom for those i was just saying it's, it is so much fun it's like a dream job if one could create one yeah but it's not a what you're saying you're doing and what i've seen because i've seen some of your posts when i remember being at school learning history and learning about henry the eighth and all these wives and all this stuff that was very irrelevant to my life but <laughs> when i was learning all this stuff i would never have thought that if i wanted to have a career in history this is what i'll be doing i if anything maybe i'll be a history teacher that's what i thought was possible or maybe work as a librarian i don't know that's just what i that was me and you know what changed my mind i'll tell you so the film 12 Years a Slave came out. I think oh. I would in secondary school, sixth form maybe. Okay. And I was watching a documentary about the making of the film or maybe a YouTube video. And there was a historian that was the like specialist on that show to make sure things looked right, to make sure that, you know, it was historically accurate to give the stories. He had been, you know, a historian. He was African-American and he had obviously researched these histories for however long. I think he was at Cornell. I can't remember his name for the life of me. Yeah. But... I thought, imagine the coolest job would, you know, consulting and helping TV and film to make sure shows are historically accurate. And then I realised that when I was at uni, I went to a talk with the woman that does the same thing on a show called Poldark um, and worked on Downton Abbey. And I was like, that would be such a cool job. And that's kind of where I started to think that being a historian would be cool. And that's not necessarily my aspiration now. I think I want to get into academia and write some books and um, kind of fill in the gaps of like, black british history because there's a there's a real erasure and a real absence yeah Um, that's what made it kind of cool for me that's what kind of got me in um and then when i looked at the absence of black women historians in this country i was like surely not and it kind of scared me a bit because i'm thinking there's got to be a reason why there are no black women or few Um, at the time when i was researching there was no black professor female professor of history 
Wow. Um, the first person to get that role, Professor Oliveta Tele, she got that in 2016. Yeah, whilst so, you know, the representation in this country wasn't there. I kind of turned to America and I was seeing that, well, there's women historians there. I guess if, you know, if it doesn't work out in Britain, I'll, I'll do American history and go over there kind of thing. Yeah. So thankfully we had America and the representation that showed me that there would be a living to be made and yeah. there would be jobs to be had. And since then, I, I think, you know, Black British history has come on a long way, not far enough. Not far enough. Um, there's a lot of untold stories as well. Yeah, yeah, black and British. Yeah, actually, I'm reading the kids' version because my daughter, she's six, and he, he's read, he, read, he read that first and he wrote the kids' one. And they're, you know, because I, I studied media for a very long time as well, and they're under, even even now, let, let's even, let's not go far. Let's, let's stop. Let's not even go far. When this Ukraine and Russia war started one of the things that i was I, I was moved we was all moved because we couldn't believe it like this is happening in 2022 and as the as it played out guess what black people that are affected about this this is real time now this is not like oh we're hearing this 200 years ago something happened this is happening in social media time and guess what the the experiences and the hardship and what's going on with people of this color is undocumented the ones that are it has been documented a, a, a self-documentation of you know just because we're in the time of social media so when you think about it you just realize that the untold stories or the underreported aspect of black people is crazy it's, it's, it's just crazy so glad you, you're taking this career path and I'm, I'm, we're supporting you all the way <laughs> no it's true um it's just the underrepresentation, and as you said even in a crisis like you know getting people out of ukraine it is black people that are facing you know the problems at the yeah. border of both and yeah these stories have to be told and not to say that white people can't tell those stories but I just think the authenticity comes from someone that knows and understands a community that they're talking about sometimes. Yeah. Um, and it's quite, there's always been a push for, for more black people telling these histories. And we do it very well, I think, sometimes in our families and in our communities, but on a wider scale, I think it's something that definitely needs to happen. Um, and it is happening a little bit more, but we need to keep pushing. Yeah, and I think a lot of the time is that we don't know. Like for me, it took me a long time to realize that personally that I have power, and that power doesn't have to be me being on BBC News or me having a billion pounds in my account. That power could that power is my podcast. Like I love being a podcaster because I can say what I want to say. I can do what I want to do, and I feel and I feel like like now this season that we're having on Corporate Heart Talk. 10 years time somebody could could come and read could come and listen to it you know that is something that's that's a power that's something that i've done so yeah let's talk about school you know like so we've established you're into history you want to be an historian you work in history and so on like what was your early days like what was school have you did you like history as a subject from a very start or was it something that you picked up later on yeah so I love school. I've always loved school. I um, I wouldn't call myself a nerd specifically because um, I went what's to a What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? No, I'll tell you why. I went to an all-girls grammar school and that meant everybody was a nerd. 
So you didn't feel like a nerd in the grammar school because everybody was on their academics and books and everything was just really important. So you weren't, unless there wasn't really the nerdiest person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you were you were all big fish. You were all big boys. You were all <laughs> we were all just in the tank being nerdy together. So nobody thought they were nerdy until you left school, and then you were like, ah, oh, okay, maybe we were a little bit. Um, but I know I love school. Um, so history, my earliest memory of studying it, studying anything black history was actually my own grandmother, my nan. She was a teacher herself. Um, and she came to my primary school to teach black history in October for black history month. And I vaguely remember her just talking about Jamaica. And then, cause she was in school with us, she got, a, she got us a taxi and we all went home together. She didn't drive. And that's how I remember the day being her coming in to talk. And then we get in this taxi home, which was amazing. Cause we used to walk. Um, so that was kind of my earliest member of black history. We didn't really do any in primary school apart yeah. from that. Secondary school was the same thing. I remember, asking for a Black History Month assembly. Um, and the teacher was like, oh, why don't you do it then? So me and my friends did it. Um, we did the Black History Month assembly. We were in sixth form at that point. Um, we were prefects. Um, and so we did that assembly and it was and really that's, good. And that's, that's pretty recent. Like, sorry, you out, like when did you finish that? That sounds pretty recent as well. 2014, 2015, 2014. That is, that is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't I'm sure you did a great job, but yeah, I mean, but we, at the end of the day, we were just the kids. Um, I remember teachers doing Black History Month assemblies, and they were always about Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King. Yeah, um, that gets really boring and very repetitive very quickly, um, and it's something that I'm adamantly against. If it's Black History Month in the UK, why are we speaking about Americans? Doesn't make sense. Yeah, Love it, but we can have February as well. We can do African American History in February. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because, you know, my daughter, she's six. I tried to t talk to her about race and all this stuff. And one day she came and she said, Mommy, you're going to be so angry about this. I said, what, Emanuela? Her name is Emanuela. She goes, this woman was sitting on the bus. Like, she was, and I was acting really, like, surprised. I was like, yeah, what, what about this woman? They're trying to get off the bus. I was so angry. I said, what happened? But she told them. She, mommy, I was like, oh, what's her name? Like, Where's, oh, I can't remember. Like, and I just thought, why are you teaching my daughter about this? Yeah. But don't get me wrong, you know, it, it, teach it, you know, let it be known that there was a civil, civil rights movement in the US. Yeah. But don't forget that there was one in Britain too. Exactly. And don't forget, when you think about that bus boycott that came after Rosa Parks, that there was one in Bristol in 1963. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And oh, this yeah. was inspired by Montgomery. But there was one here too, because Britain were just as racist in different ways to America. But it's mm -hmm. this kind of idea that Britain just don't want to. They, I just feel like they would rather die than accept that they have been an intolerant, racist, disgusting country in the past. Yeah. And, yeah. and I just I need them to acknowledge it. And it's I mean, it's slowly happening as some of these Caribbean countries are forcing them to acknowledge, you know, what's yeah. happening today. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're listening to this recently, Jamaica was just making steps to become a republic and they want reparations for slavery don't know how that's going to go down but you know they need to be called to to, to kind of repent yeah empire and all these other empires as well don't let me get france off the hook or any yeah. of those other portugal all of them yeah oh yeah yeah um and it's it's in the tone of our everyday life unless we all try to pretend you know, it's not there, you know, um, but I don't know, like for me, like 
I'm coming like my perspective is all this from like Nigerian like I just think I just turn into why isn't our leaders doing good for us you know because sometimes I look at my aunties or I look at the things that people have gone through like we're the younger generation we're woke you know like me if I go somewhere you're moving mad yeah I'll move mad with you like but when I talk to older people somebody think like I remember one of my friends was telling me he's older than me and he said oh yeah um I saw skinhead, so I couldn't get off that train because I was gonna get, I was gonna get it. I said, "What do you mean you was gonna get it?" It's like, yeah, like those days. If you see these guys, you run. I was like, wow, you know, like, like. Okay, I shouldn't say this. I have a therapist, and she's from um, West Indies as well. And when I go to her and I complain about things, and she's she's a black woman, and she she said to me, "But you're so lucky. When we came in here, there were signs that said no blacks, no this." There were people dumbing us down and our parents were forcefully taking us back because they they just didn't want us to do proper courses we want to be doctors and lawyers but they were dumbing us down and these things even if you want to pretend about any other things these things that they have done it needs to be accountable for it need like we need to talk about it absolutely i agree we're that generation that unfortunately for them like we're not as you said we're not we're not having it so where are parents and grandparents would have maybe sat and accepted things and just said you know that's just the way it is we especially like the generation born in britain like we're here you know this is our home so yeah. you've got to make it work for us as well as everybody else and i think you know protests like the black lives matter of 2020 and things that are happening now as a result statues coming down that like our, our, my grandparents would never think about pulling down a statue of a slave trader down are you crazy um, but I just think across the board. Oh yeah, that time during the proper. Oh like yeah, people. But this generation, like. And I think a, a different across the board, not just with with black people as well, with white people, and some of the things that they expect working class white people, the things that they're campaigning for and want as well to see a more equitable society. Not all of them, but I just think our generation, for me personally, it's moving in the right direction of really claiming what they want and actually doing it and not sitting down and accepting not to say any discredit to our the older generations because that's what they had to do to survive yeah and that, that was literally what they did um and thankfully so otherwise we wouldn't be here and we've got a lot to thank them for yeah yeah okay well this is really i feel like i'm learning a lot about history so um let's just move on as well like i i was talking to you i was saying earlier on about this season we're talking about black women um in the corporate world getting senior roles being board leaders and so on like what are your thoughts or your experiences about that like for instance in your office are there other black women in your offices or actually we've already discussed that you couldn't find many female historians but yeah just let me know your experiences about that and yeah uh well i think yeah as you said you know your perception of a historian is an older white man which is yeah. obviously not and I think that that does carry. Um, and I'll talk about, because I'm not going to be in the museum field forever, I hope, I do want to work in academia. And just thinking about the fact that, so I've done a degree and a master's, so that's four years of study combined. I've not had a black lecturer. Wow. I never had a black teacher either um, in my however many years of education, or eight, nearly 18 years of um, primary and secondary school. Um, when it comes to history, even the numbers of history teachers, black people black people aren't they aren't taking it at GCSE and then obviously more fall off for a level yeah. even more fall off for degree then even more for masters and PhD yeah. Yeah. numbers are 
yeah. I think it's like the amount of black lecturers there are within history um, and philosophy, I believe it's like less than 1% wow. of the lecturers. Now, yes, we're not expecting it to be 50-50 with 3% of the population, but less than 1%. Like, and when I say less, I think it's like 0.1. Wow. There is one black mm. professor, black woman professor, and one black man professor of history in this country. Wow. There are lecturers, but I've noticed a lot of them actually are either from America or other parts of Europe. It seems to be that whatever is happening in the British education system it's creating an absence of, of black people that have an interest and are succeeding in history, in academia. They aren't mm. making it past yeah. the not making it up, up the way, all the way up to the top. Wow. Um, so yeah, no, it's not something I see. I don't see necessarily black women in, in positions of power within yeah. um, university kind of spaces and history departments, um, yeah. which is unfortunate. And a lot of research has been done um, on it, but, for now, it seems to be just research, mm. but it's up to universities to fund black PhDs, to support black students that are taking history. You know, if the curriculum at school level doesn't change, kids aren't going to take it for GCC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't become a historian without a GCC. It's the first yeah, step. Yeah. So until there are really low-level grassroots changes that are significant and inspire a generation of black children to actually want to take history and study it further, then we won't see yeah. change. Yeah. But at least, like, the only hope is that, like, when I just see the kind of work that you do, like, you know, even for me, I, I would love to share, if I had a platform, I would love to share you, like, you know, maybe you can go into schools and, and, and help and talk, because I really do believe in representation and it really shifts things, even in my career so far, like, when I became a mum, working with mums, like my CMO was a mum. Like when I, don't let me go into that, representation is just so important. So I really hope you continue in your development and what you're doing. So thank you. Thank just you. rounding up a bit as well, like, um, can you give us like a little history fact? <laughs> you know what, actually, it's funny, just before I give the fact, whenever people ask me, I say I'm a historian, they'll give me the most random fact. They'll be like, oh, did you know about this thing about the ancient Egyptian py pyramids? And I'm like, no, historians are so niche and specific in what they do. Yeah, they do. About like Caribbean black women whilst I'm researching them or something in black British history. I don't know. About that. <laughs> yeah. um, so my fact is it's a little bit geographical, not so historical, but interesting anyway. There are actually 7,000 islands in the Caribbean. So a hundred of them are inhabited um by people wow so, and i always find that interesting because i think in britain anyway when we think about caribbean history and i'm so guilty of this we just think about jamaica yeah um, like the bigger uh, big name islands barbados and trinidad maybe but to think that there are actually seven thousand islands all with their own histories Wow. all probably colonized by different groups of people whether that's the dutch the spanish the british wow. the french you know um so yeah that's my uh, interesting and fun fact about the caribbean for now Might have another okay one. another one um what's your favorite jamaican dish it's my favorite food of all time ackee and saltfish i even have an episode of the history hotline about this food it is uh it's just sensational and the thing about it is is it's the saddest thing I don't, just like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I can't I just like chicken. 
cut the podcast i'm out <laughs> I don't have I just I don't like it. Like I like my patty, I like my jerk chicken, I like oxtail. Oh my god, oxtail, oxtail, oxtail. Please, when you're going to Jamaica, take me. I really like I, I my guest I had at the time, I said I love bashment. She goes, it's not called bashment, it's dance hall. Like you guys, like you British, stop calling it bashment. I said, I'm sorry. It's definitely true. Uh, oh yeah, but Jamaican food, oh, it is sensational, really. Patties are my favourite, but even then with patties, like everything is just better in Jamaica. So it's unfortunate, like you just have to move there, basically. Do you go I, there? Do you go? I go so I I go every year. Oh um, cool. Recently, because of the pandemic. I can, I can just imagine when you go, you just let your hair down, like you, this is like this is when you get your me time. I'm not an academic. I'm just here to have fun. Leave me alone, kind of vibe. You know, I haven't really been since being a work. I've only because I finished my masters in the pandemic. I've never been as I've never been having a podcast. I've never been. Oh, okay. A student and a kid, so oh. we feel like if I go this year or in the future to go as kind of a working adult. <laughs> not yeah. that I'm going to treat as one by any of them but yeah um that would be nice but jamaica one thing i always know is just like you don't have to think about being black it's the strangest thing but like everyone's there's no there's you don't have to precursor you don't walk in a room and think i'm gonna be the only black person you don't think volume of your voice you don't think about how you're loud it's like not in jamaica but i can imagine the experience is different is the same when when we go to nigeria like you're just there everybody's eating Oh. It's just, it's just the vibe. Like that. Oh no, there's. It's like that thing about home is where the heart is. Like when you're back in your soil, although it's annoying. Sometimes you're thinking, I, I can just something bad can happen to me here, and there's no ambulance coming to get me. But I love that recklessness. I just love it. Like so, like from the time someone picks you up from the airport, like from Nigeria anyway. From the time someone picks you up from the airport, they're already cussing. Get out of the way, man. <laughs> horns no proper traffic things like everything just yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's just like the, the homely chaos of it all i love and it I'm born in jamaica um and you know it's a, a bit of a contention because people obviously and rightly so should call me british but i don't think i ever feel as home anywhere as i do in jamaica oh that's so sweet to hear this country is like, made for us and we're treated that way a lot a lot of us as diasporas i think we do need cancelling like we're going through a lot like because we are here like you had your first kiss here you had your first job here you everything about you is here but then you've got over there you're like but you're me you know that type of stuff so it's interesting you're kind of a foreigner out there too like yeah yeah like if i if I get landed in our main airport, I won't know how to get to my house. But you drop me anywhere in London. I'm sure they drop you anywhere in Birmingham. Or even anywhere in the UK. You're there. You're, you know, you're moving around. But yeah, it's interesting. I could get to my house in Jamaica. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Just need that. I mean, don't get me wrong. It would take me a lot longer than it would need to. But yeah, I just I could do it. Just me. Okay. Um, we're just going to wind down now. But... um. So with the history and the academics, the masters and so on, like what what if anybody wants to go into this field, what are the key skills they need to hone? What are the key skills that they need to push? I would say you have to 
be kind of like a detective. You're seeking out stories, whether that is you do his social histories where you're looking at people's stories, political histories, you're looking at, you know, politics and how decisions have been made and impact people. You really have to be able to to research. It's the biggest yeah. skill. It's the, the kind of way they sell history degrees. Even if you don't want to become a historian, you will get very strong research skills. Yeah. And that's obviously be taken into other fields. A lot of the people I did history with have gone on to be lawyers, uh, journalists, because of the strong research skills you have. Research. Um, say, yeah, you have to you have to like to read. There's yeah. no real way around it. Um, and a lot of people don't love reading, don't have the attention span for it. But there is a lot of information. You have got to be able to dissect information in your brain. There is so you you want to know one small tiny thing, but to know it, you've probably got to read like seven separate book chapters, four articles in a journal, and watch two videos from some historians that have been researching it for twenty five years wow. to find one thing out. Um, so yeah, is um sometimes it can be quite the task. Um, but I think with everything and probably wider advice to anyone that's listening is just to persevere there will be pushbacks in a field like academia it is ruthless in a way that's very different to maybe the corporate world I know we're on corporate hard talk um but it's still got that kind of not dog eat dog because I feel like academia is one of those fields where everybody needs each other to survive whether that's peer reviewing each other's work or supporting grant applications all of that but you know there is only going to be one job at the end of the day for one person so it's an interesting field and one that I'm not fully in yet because I you know I haven't done the PhD I'm not going for jobs in academia just yet I'm working in the museum field and the museum sector um but yeah you have to to persevere and to keep going whether that be with your research or with the job roles and the job searching and yeah. getting fun and yeah. applying Definitely, definitely. Um, I like I like what you said about readings. I think I don't know why a lot of us we're not like even me. I'm not going to lie. I'm not the best reader, you know. And even having a, a a young child, trying to get her to read at a very young age, you know, making sure reading is something that's a part of her is is key. Okay, it's the month of March, and this is the month of women and so on. So we've just celebrated International Women's Day. Did you do anything special? And most importantly, the theme for this year is breaking the bias. I think there's a big bias with you, like, because with what you do, I, <laughs> but I'll let you tell us about that. Like, what does breaking the bias mean to you? Have you? Do you feel like people have been biased against you or have you been biased? Or just to share that with me quickly. I think for me in this field, breaking the bias is, I guess, going back to the idea that of what a historian should be like and look like and, and do. Um and just kind of, you know, saying that I, as a black woman, am here to tell these stories of yeah. people that have erased from these histories and these yeah. narratives for so long. Um, breaking that bias also, I think, means in a way inspiring the next generation because I think more it's more important now more than ever that, say, the work I do or anybody else does in this generation carries on. Um, I hate the idea of picking up the baton and then just dropping it. It needs to be passed on. And I think so breaking the bias is also making history cool Yeah. for these youngsters coming up because we need them. You know, this field has to continue and it has to grow, especially mm. when it comes to black British history. Yeah. Um, and, you know, breaking that bias within their minds as well as wider society of this is what a historian looks like. A historian doesn't look like any one prototype of person it is 
whatever you are doing history um that is you know what a historian is um yeah. and in this black woman yeah hmm. that's, that's 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 actually a very good one as well um well we've come to the end of this actually but um just one more or two more questions um for you and and that would be um if you had to give somebody um a career advice and that advice is across the board it's not for someone who wants to become a historian someone who wants to become an operation specialist like me for instance and everyone's heard me say this millions of times is i always say don't sell yourself short you know i've sold myself short so many times i think i still do sometimes but i always give that advice what would that number one advice be i think for me and i've kind of said it already but it was like I don't know, maybe it was a sign because I was watching um, Kentaji Brown Jackson, some of the questions she's going through to get into the, the, the Supreme Court. She's a judge in America, yeah, black yeah. woman. Um, and one of the questions was, what would advice would you give to women or people looking up to you, kind of trying to do what you've done? Um, and she said that when she was on campus at Harvard, um, a black woman that she didn't know walked past her and kind of didn't know her she was feeling really homesick in a really low place and just kind of whispered to her and said persevere I just thought like that's what always kind of speaks to me like keep going you know if nobody's listening to you if you think you're not being appreciated if you know you're not getting paid the way you want to you're not being like yeah. um, supported the way you want to just keep going with it like your time will come and I think a lot of us have really big dreams sometimes and we think oh I can't do that or yeah. there's no point trying yeah but like, even in the act of trying even if you like you know don't get where you wanted to go it's what's the quote I think if you like shoot for the moon you'll land between the stars yeah you've heard oh, that. that to me you know aim for the top aim for the peak aim for the pinnacle yeah. of imagine <laughs> And if, even if you don't get there, you will land amongst the stars. So, yeah, perseverance, I think, mm -hmm. for whatever you're doing, whether you're an athlete, um, an investment banker, a lawyer, a doctor, a, um, I don't know, teacher, anything. Just yeah. keep going. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I really like that. And that, that just links perfectly to some of the things that I say a lot on this, on this podcast. So... Thank you so much for coming on here, um, Deanne. I'm so grateful. And I know you've been going for a lot <laughs> with everything, even me. But um, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. The only other thing I wanted to say, did you want to add anything maybe that you wanted to share with our listeners or anything? No, people I, People always ask me this. You know, at the end, and you're like, I don't even know. But I will say, let me back myself and plug my podcast. If you didn't hear at the start, the History Hotline podcast. Um, it specialises in all things Black history and beyond. Most of the episodes focus on Black British history. There are many on Caribbean history and few on um, West African history, most notably. Um, we're trying to change that. I do want more um, African history. And if anyone is out there that has a specialism, knows something about any of the countries in Africa and its history, and you want to jump on the podcast, feel free. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Um, and again, I take requests for topics. If there are things you don't understand that happen in historically, let me know and I'll break that down for you. I think I've got an episode coming up about Jamaica and what it might mean for them if they become a republic coming yeah. out next week. Yeah. Um, there's been episodes about 
most things that have happened society-wise that relate to black history so please do tune in yeah i'll put the link for your podcast on on once i post it and stuff but yeah once again Leanne, thank you so much for um joining us on this episode and you know it's, it's the end of another episode i hope you enjoyed it i don't know what you're going through and i don't know where you're at but all i can say is keep going your big break is around the corner until next time goodbye thank you for listening to deborah's corporate heart talk you can visit my website at www.debra.tech. Follow me on all social media platforms at Deborah's Art Talk. And to get involved in all the conversations, please hashtag Deborah's Art Talk. And remember, guys, keep going and your big break is around the corner. Until next time, bye bye.